Many of you know, I think, my, that my first ministry was in Alabama. I went from growing up in Massachusetts, all of my education there, nearly all of my life in the Bay State, and went from there to the Deep South. That was, that transition was my biggest leaving home moment. The decision included uh, making a pro and con list, which I think I actually have someplace still. Uh, one side, all the pros for going to Alabama, and the other side, all the reasons to stay in Massachusetts. And all the pros filled the side. Going to Alabama, all the pros filled that, that side. And the reasons to stay in the Massachusetts were like two little tiny items at the top. So it was really clear. I mean, it was clear. And this was also for, uh, it was one year. It was supposed to be, it was supposed to be one year. It was an interim year. Uh, and, you know, it was a college town. I'm a big fan of college towns. Tuscaloosa, Alabama, the University of Alabama, Roll Tide. Roll Tide. Oh, that was be football, in case you don't know. There's my one, like, sports reference, right? Right, football. All right. To go to this new ministry, this starting out, I had just been ordained by the congregation where I grew up. I was I spent years getting ready to go forth into parish ministry, and, and so I did. And, and it meant that I left the land I loved, the hills, the ocean, the cities. I left my family. Nearly all of my family was in New England. I left all that I had known and went to Alabama. I mean, this is Southern. This was, I mean, the congregation's address is New Watermelon Road. I, no lie. And there is a watermelon road. I'm just saying. So I'm like, oh my goodness. And, you know, I had lots of encounters just in the process of getting there. Uh, while looking for an apartment, I had my first experience with fire ants. Ow. Uh, that fall, not too many weeks after I had arrived, I had my first experience with southern cockroaches. They're politely called palmetto bugs. That's a lie. <laughs> Big suckers. And these grasshoppers, these black grasshoppers that are truly, truly this big, like this big, truly. I'm just saying. Ugh. Oh my gosh, the world around me was just not right. I'm in Alabama, this is just not right. And just all of those pieces further enhanced the realization of what I had left. It further enhanced the distance. But it certainly helped. It certainly helped to have to talk about change. I mean, that was my job. As an interim minister, I was helping the congregation prepare for, I was their first full-time minister. I was helping them search, prepare to search for a new person who would stay for a long time. I asked them, 
I had the sense in that moment, I asked them to show me what they loved about Alabama. And they did, and it was such a gift. But it was a significant change. I found a very helpful analogy. Um, I think this idea that the soul travels at the speed of a camel, which is something like um, three days to travel 100 miles. And so I had arrived, I had started in mid-August and did the calculation of the mileage, something like 1,000 miles, give or take. So I was able to understand myself and convey to the congregation that my soul will arrive sometime in like October. And that was okay. It also helped that many of the members of the congregation had relocated from other places in order to work for the University of Alabama. You know, I left a place that had been so good and so good in my life, knowing that I might not ever live in New England again. What had been was no longer. My relationship with what I considered home was forever changed. As we enter into this month, and the theme of change, I want to invite us to pay attention to the nature of cycles and changes and patterns and their impact on us. Very much, um, is very much a part of this understanding is how, very much a part of how we un grasp what is going on for ourselves as individuals and as a congregation and the world as well. So I wanted to spend a little time on change, the nature of change. Because any, any change, any kind, large, small, uh, begins with a shift. It begins not with the beginning, what comes next. It begins with an ending. It starts with what has been, what was. Something stops before something new starts. And it's true for all aspects of our lives, whether we want it or not, whether the change is desired or volunteered or not. You know, I know over the past number of months, recent months, um, one of the things that, that I've been saying, and Linda Fairbanks, our board chair, has been saying, and other ways we've been saying is, this isn't 2019 anymore. It's not the most pleasant thing to say. It's not fun in some ways. It's not necessarily great to even hear, and I recognize that. The church, the world around us, none of us are what we once were. Three years ago, whoa, three years ago. So much has happened since then, individually, collectively, globally. I want to invite us to spend a moment to, 
I'll spend a moment on what has ended for you. EU Minister David Keyes was one of our elders. His memorial was on Thursday. One gift I carry from him came from the interim training. I first, the first time I took that training in 2000, before I even knew I was headed to Alabama. His core message to us was, don't underestimate grief. Don't underestimate grief. Grief is more powerful and more present than we ever truly know. Endings are more powerful and more present than we can guess. So I want to just take a moment and not rush on to the next thing, but I want to take a moment to invite you to, to think about some of the endings that have happened in the last year or so, or whatever endings come forward. I invite you to take an order of service, one of the pencils in the pews or something, uh, one of the scratch pad papers, one of the joys and sorrows slips that we have in the pews, and, and make a list, just a moment. Make a list of what has ended in the past year. If that physically helps to write that down. What has ended? What has stopped? Could be anything. Could be everything, small, great. Things you thought you wouldn't think of again. Spend a moment just doing that in the quiet and join me in this quiet for a minute. I'm sure that more will come. Thank you for taking this moment. And if you wrote on something physical, I invite you to pull out one of the hymnals. I hope you have nearby, or if you're listening to us online, something, something with weight, something tangible. And put that list on top of the hymnal just so there's a physical, tangible way to feel, to feel and recognize what has come, for you, come up for you.
offer a moment of recognizing all that has ended. In this moment, in this place, may we honor all that has changed, all that has been, friends' lives, our lives, hearts broken, hearts in love, the struggle of seeing our world and wondering what will come, the ending of our disillusion, that we have some true struggles among us, For some endings, we offer gratitude and farewell and blessings as well. That those have let us be different than who we are for reasons that we needed and we didn't know. For reasons that we needed and we knew. In this moment as we recognize and honor all the endings that are before us, may we hold ourselves and others in love in all of these transitions. Thank you. Of course, naming endings goes beyond this one moment. So let this be one more moment in the journey. I so appreciate Earth-centered traditions for reminding us about endings and beginnings, seasons and cycles. There was a chant, a Kore chant, I had a chance to sing at the memorial for a member in a previous congregation. She changes everything she touches and Everything she touches changes. She changes everything she touches and everything she touches changes. Changes, touches, touches, changes. Changes, touches, touches, changes. But how do we, as people, navigate the changes in our lives? I appreciate the benefits of uh, William Bridges, who is an author, educational consultant about what, they, what was called way back when, I think still called change management. And I love that his name is William Bridges for dealing with transitions. Yes, there is a good joke there. Yeah. He says, considering what we have to deal with, that we have to deal with endings all our lives, most of, them, most of us handle them poorly. This is in part because we misunderstand them and take them either too seriously or not seriously enough. We take them too seriously by confusing them with finality, that it's all, it's all over, there's never more, it's finished. 
We see them as something without sequel, forgetting that they are the first phase of a transition process and a precondition of self-renewal. Endings, he says, are the first phase of a transition process and the precondition of self-renewal. And at the same time, we can also often fail to take them seriously enough because they scare us. We try to avoid them. How fast can I run from what's happening, what's ending? I so appreciate Bridges' work around change and transitions. What he talks about is that change is is what happens, something that has a difference that has occurred, a shift in condition, uh, a person, uh, whatever the context is. It's simply what has changed, um, what is no longer the same. What Bridges is trying to encourage us to engage with is to make a transition to move intentionally or fully, as fully conscious as we can from one ending into a beginning. He says beginnings involve new understandings and values and attitudes. They're marked by a release of energy in a new direction. Uh, Well-managed transitions allow folks to establish new roles with a sense of purpose. And you can feel restored and reoriented and renewed. But, but you got to go through the process first. And the process is what's called the neutral zone for William Bridges. And it's where we live, I think. It's where we actually live most of the time. Because after the letting go, after an ending, there is this moment, this liminal place between where what was and where what will be. Um, And it's, he calls it the neutral zone. It's this in-between time when the old is gone and the new is fully, not really operational. Um, You get critical kind of realignment, psychological patternings take place. It's the very core of transition. This is the time between the old reality and the sense of the new identity. And it's an odd, disruptive kind of place Uh, We're in flux. There's confusion, distress. It can feel like nothing is happening. It can feel like everything is happening. It can feel like we're actually just going backwards. We're just walking backwards here. And there's no progress to be made. Susan Beaumont, uh, one of our wonderful church consultants, talks about this time as a liminal time from the Latin, limen, Uh, threshold, that truly that bottom part of the doorway to enter when you go through a building. And I think I'm not alone in uh, having that sense of what that we, that phenomenon that is truly a, a measured phenomenon. When we go from one room to another, we cross a threshold and forget where we're going. Forget what we were going to do, forget what was our purpose in getting up in the first place. All of that is part of that liminal, neutral moment. And we do this in context 
It can be in immediate context. It can be in seasons, like uh, in, for example, looking for a new minister. It can be eras, epochs. And Susan offers that right now we are in a liminal epoch. A true larger scale shifting of all the things. And it's so hard to know. It's so hard to know where we're going, what we need to attend to. We know what we had in the past and what had been comfortable, familiar, what seemed to work, uh, the wonderful things of like church and life and all kinds of good stuff. And now being in this moment, now being in this moment of not, uh, of still wondering where we're going to go. What I appreciate about uh, Susan Beaumont in the, the idea of change is that uh, she is responding to this particular time where William Bridges was talking about change management in a way that was where you kind of knew where you were going to go in the, at the, on the other side. You had a, a kind of a, from a corporate perspective, you, know, you knew what you were trying to attain going forward. But Susan Beaumont talks about and recognizes that we're kind of in the middle of not knowing where we're going to end up, not knowing exactly what we want, um, but knowing and still holding true to what is so important as well, still honoring, celebrating. It's still true that we can have a soup lunch and gather. It is still true that we want to be together in worship. It is still true that we want to be of service into the world. But in the larger, where are we going? It's still such a question. What I want to offer as we go forward into this time is much more can be said, of course, about change and where we're going. Is that this is an opportunity for all of us to participate, to be present with each other, to be compassionate, to be humble, to be not knowing. One of the best things we can do is not know and to be willing to be open about that with each other. Say, I know what, you know, I can tell what I, what's still important to me, but I'm not sure what to do with that. I'm not sure where we should go. I'm not sure how to do this together. We have opportunities to be in that not knowing and to listen to ourselves to be in a place of humility, not be experts, and to be in a place of patience with ourselves and one another, all the while acknowledging when we are stuck, like the mouse and the crow. The mouse and crow was like, ooh, I've been there. I've certainly done that, where I had my hand around something so tight I couldn't let go and nothing was going to change until I did something else. I can't be the only one who recognized that. And was too hungry, too much in need to know how, what to do next, and was stuck.
The challenges include that stuckness, that struggle, that anxiety. (gasps) What's going to happen to all of us? Oh, gosh, I know we're feeling it leading up to this week. Yes. Yeah, this week and the election. And who knows what will happen. I will also tell you that there is an other side. I don't know quite what that land looks like, but there is another side. I invite us to move at the speed that emerges and not at the speed of our anxiety. Let us be patient and present and do our best to learn to let new people in, to let ourselves be new people to ourselves, in fact. So let us go forward into this moment of change, into this liminal time. May we go forward and discover this new country, this new land, whatever that may be, in this beloved community that we know we also hope to bring and embody in their lives and in the larger world. Let us go forward in change. Amen.